the closing section to Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, That's where we find ourselves uh, tonight. Uh, All of Paul's letters conclude with uh, personal greetings and messages. Uh, In some, there is quite a long list of people that Paul addresses, and in others, the the greetings are are shorter and more uh, general in nature. Here in Colossians, by my count, Paul mentions 10 individuals by name, and he is either greeting them, uh, passing on a greeting from them, uh, communicating some relevant information about them, or communicating a personal message to them. Uh, There is Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Marcus, uh, Jesus called Justus, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Nymphus, and Archippus. Uh, Then there are references to the brethren in Laodicea, the brethren at Hierapolis, and the church that was meeting in the house of Nymphus. So we have quite a cast of characters uh, in this closing section. Uh, Tonight we're going to consider the first two men that Paul refers to. Uh, It's likely that the first of these, Tychicus, was entrusted with carrying this letter uh, from Paul, who was under house arrest in Rome, to the church at Colossae. Uh, Our text is chapter 4, verses 7 to 9, but I'm going to read from verse 7 to the end of the chapter. So please, if you would, follow along as I read aloud. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, Sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always labouring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfil it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul. Remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can gather tonight to uh, pray to you and to study your word. And I ask now that uh, this simple lesson would be a blessing and an encouragement to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would feed us and fill us and uh, send us on our way. And this we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I've called our lesson tonight, Beloved Brothers. 
because this is what Paul called these two men he mentions at the beginning of the closing section. And uh, wouldn't it have been a blessing to have had the great Apostle Paul refer to you in this way, to, to call you a beloved brother? Uh, it's also significant when you consider who Onesimus was, and we'll uh, mention his story briefly later on. But first of all, let's consider the first name mentioned here, and that's Tychicus, or Tychicus, as some people call him. I'm going to, to call him Tychicus. Who was Tychicus? Uh, We meet him first of all in Acts chapter 20 and verse 4. He was one of seven men who travelled with Paul on the homeward leg of his third missionary journey. They uh, went ahead of Paul from Macedonia to the city of Troas in Asia on the northwestern coast of modern day Turkey. And then when Paul arrived with Luke, uh, the party travelled by boat back to the city of Tyre in Syria, uh, stopping most famously at Ephesus, where Paul had a final meeting with the elders of the Ephesian church. Tychicus was from Asia, and uh, it's likely that he was a Gentile who was converted under Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Remember, Paul was uh, in Ephesus for two years, And he set up a kind of a Bible college in the school of Tyrannus. We're told in Acts chapter 19 verse 10 that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Paul's ministry in Ephesus had a a far-reaching effect. From there the gospel went out all over the region. It's possible that the man who planted the Colossian church, Epaphras, was uh, converted in Ephesus and then went home to Colossae with the gospel. Tychicus became one of Paul's ministry associates and at the time that Colossians was written, he was in Rome with Paul, uh, perhaps supporting Paul in some way, perhaps involved in ministry to the Christians in Rome. We're told in the book of Philippians that the gospel had made its way even into Caesar's household. That's remarkable, isn't it? Obviously, Paul had a high opinion of Tychicus because he entrusted him to deliver this letter, the letter to the Colossians and the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, The fact that he was originally from that part of the world, the province of Asia, Asia probably also made him just the right man for the job. Tychicus took both letters from Rome and delivered them, and really he acted as Paul's representative. He was more than just the delivery man. Turn over, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and if you would, look at verses uh, 21 and Uh, 22. This is the the parallel uh, to our passage here in Colossians. Ephesians 6 verse 21, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Tychicus' role was more than just handing over the letter and and moving on. Uh, The implication here is that he would address the church, he would speak to them about how Paul was doing, and he would would comfort their hearts, put their minds at ease about Paul's situation, and also encourage them in the Lord. Tychicus was a minister, and he would minister to these Christians. 
Much later in Paul's ministry, uh, Tychicus was one of two men that Paul planned to send to Crete to take the place of Titus. Uh, If you remember, Paul sent uh, Titus to Crete uh, to set things in order, and I imagine Titus is kind of the the tough guy. Uh, The Christian communities weren't in good shape. Uh, The Christians were difficult. And Titus was sent to sort them out. Then Paul wanted him to come home to where he was and he would send a replacement. Titus chapter 3 verse 12. When I shall send Artemis unto thee or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis for I have determined there to winter. Now we don't know which of these two men Paul sent, whether it was Artemis or Tychicus. But again, it indicates the kind of uh, man that Tychicus was. If Paul could entrust him with the oversight of the churches in Crete, then he must have been a very capable minister. Wise, godly, gifted, and he must have had a high standing among the wider body of believers. Christians must have known about Tychicus. Now, the last mention of this man comes right at the end of Paul's life, uh, during his final imprisonment in Rome. Uh, Paul informed Timothy that he had sent Tychicus to Ephesus, probably as Timothy's replacement. Uh, Paul wanted Timothy to come him to Rome, and so he sent Tychicus to preside over the church at Ephesus in Timothy's absence. And, I'll say it again, this speaks of the kind of Christian and the kind of leader that Tychicus was. You know, Ephesus was an important city, an important centre for the growth and spread of Christianity, and Paul entrusted Tychicus with the oversight of the church in that city. Now, turning to our text in Colossians chapter 4, we have three uh, lovely expressions that Paul uses to describe Tychicus. First of all, he calls him a beloved brother. Notice that there is no possessive pronoun. Paul doesn't call him my beloved brother or your beloved brother, but simply a beloved brother. Now on this point, one author writes, the absence of any possessive pronoun suggests that this was not simply Paul's own subjective evaluation of Tychicus, but an objective declaration. A brother identifies him as a member of that spiritual brotherhood to which believers belong, while beloved points out the reaction of those who knew him personally. It warmly commended Tychicus as a lovable character. We say similar things when we we want to emphasise someone's good character. Uh, We want to emphasise the esteem and the affection that we have for them. We might say something like this, he's a lovely man, he's a really lovely man, or she's a wonderful woman. That's the sentiment here. Uh, Tychicus was not just a brother in the Lord, but a beloved brother. Secondly, Paul calls him a faithful minister. Uh, This is a, a reference to the quality of Tychicus' service. He was faithful in discharging the things he was called to do. He was diligent, reliable, trustworthy. Paul could count on him. Uh, To put it in the vernacular, he always did a good job. He wasn't the main man. Uh, He wasn't an apostle. Perhaps he wasn't as prominent as some of the other men in Paul's ministry team. Men like Timothy or Titus or Silas or Luke. And it seems as though he was a bit like the player who's picked in the team to play off the bench. 
Now they, they come off, uh, they come on, sorry, as a replacement for one of the starters. Uh, he wasn't Paul's first choice to send to Crete or to Ephesus. He was sent as a, a replacement. But nevertheless, he was faithful to perform the roles he was given. His ego doesn't seem to have gotten in the way. Now, I'm not going to Ephesus. You didn't pick me first time around, so why should I go now? You've changed your plans, huh? And we don't see that kind of attitude. Nor do we read about Tychicus what we do about another man mentioned here at the end of Colossians. Paul sends a greeting from a man called Demas, one of his associates, and years later, Paul would write to Timothy, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. We don't read that about Tychicus. A faithful minister, you know, what, what high praise, you know, something we should all be striving for. We're, we're all ministers, we're all servants of the Lord, we're all stewards of the gospel, stewards of the, the gifts and resources that Jesus has entrusted to us. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A beloved brother a faithful minister, and then thirdly, Tychicus is called a fellow servant in the Lord. It's clear that uh, Tychicus was under Paul's authority. and He, he went where, where Paul sent him, basically. <laughs> and yet Paul didn't think of him as someone inferior. Paul didn't think of him as a lesser subordinate. Rather, Paul referred to him as a colleague. He's not my servant, but a fellow Servant. We're both servants of the Lord. And by using this term, Paul at once uh, elevated Tychicus and humbled himself. And this was true. In the ministry, we're, we're all servants of Jesus, whether we're in a position of leadership or not, whether we're, we're the preacher or the person who, who packs up the chairs after the meeting. And there is a lesson here for church leaders in Paul's use of these terms. This is, uh, this is how we ought to think of those we oversee. They're not serving us, they're not serving our agenda, rather we're serving together. We're colleagues in the service of Jesus. So this is what we know about the man Tychicus, and uh, in our text Paul relates to the Colossians his particular mission at this time. Verse 7, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. Uh, Tychicus is going to come and tell you all about my affairs. He's going to tell you uh, about how how I'm faring in prison, uh, what I'm doing and uh, what I'm planning. Uh, This is reinforced at the beginning of verse 8. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose. In other words, I've sent him to do this very thing, to tell you about my affairs. And then again, at the end of verse 9. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. This was exactly the same for the church in Ephesus. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 22, Paul said concerning Tychicus, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs. The phraseology in our text assumes an interest on the part of the Colossians in Paul's welfare. And it anticipates their concern. 
It seems as though the Colossians were aware of Paul's situation and Paul wanted to put their minds at ease. Tychicus would come and do that. And the same thing happens in our circles today. There are pastors and missionaries we're interested in, ministers of the gospel that we pray for and we're concerned when we learn that they're unwell or that they're facing opposition and we're eager for information and it's a, it's a blessing when an email or a text message comes through to say that you know, everything is okay. This is the love and the care that exists within the greater family of God. And it's, it's wonderful. News about Paul's situation would by itself be comforting to the Colossians. But uh, Tychicus' ministry would involve more than just providing an update. Uh, at the end of verse 8, Paul tells his readers that Tychicus would comfort their hearts. He would, he would come alongside them and encourage them and exhort them. Uh, some scholars suggest that Tychicus may have read the letter perhaps explained it in more detail and then taken questions and perhaps he also brought a a personal word on Paul's situation. This was a man who knew how to preach and teach and shepherd and so I think it's safe to say that he would have done some of that when he came into their assembly. Again, Tychicus was more than just the delivery man. As I was up, pondering this scene of Tychicus arriving and uh, reading the letter and ministering to the believers in Colossae, it it occurred to me that it would be wonderful if uh, someone could send me or send any one of us with this same confidence, confident that uh, we would be a blessing and an encouragement. You know, I'm I'm sending Steve or, or Ted or Carolyn and they will comfort your heart. I mean, that's the kind of Christian I'd like to be, wouldn't you? (laughs) I'd rather be that than the the kind of Christian who makes people nervous. (laughs) I'd like to send him or her. Uh, I'd I'd like to get them involved, but I just just, just don't know. They they mightn't be much help. (laughs) They might not handle the situation. They, They might make things worse. Here is something to aim for, brothers and sisters. Something to aim for in our our walk with the Lord, to be a Tychicus kind of Christian. Wise, gracious, trustworthy, known for our love, known for being an encouragement. Someone who can be trusted to do the right thing. Someone who can be trusted to bring God's light and God's love into a situation. Someone who church leaders have confidence in because there is a, a track record of faithfulness. So that's Tychicus, the first of these beloved brothers in our text. Uh, The second is Onesimus. This man was going to travel with Tychicus from Rome to Colossae. We learn all about Onesimus in the little book of Philemon. And uh, we could have a whole study just on his story alone. I'm not going to do that. But we will go over to Philemon and read the relevant verses. So please, if you would, turn over there now. Turn to the the book of Philemon. Philemon, or uh, Philemon. I once had a a neighbour from Hawaii, and that's how he said it. His name was Philemon. Uh, Philemon was a, a member of the church in Colossae and a friend and supporter of the Apostle Paul. Now this letter here in our New Testament was essentially a personal one. 
And uh, the primary issue was the return of Onesimus. A reading from verse 8. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee uh, that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as if, sorry, as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, Put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. To briefly summarise the story that's uh, laid out here, uh, Onesimus was a slave who belonged to Philemon. Uh, he, He had run away, evidently, to Rome. He'd somehow come into contact with Paul, or maybe he intentionally came to Paul, we don't know. He heard the gospel under Paul's ministry and was converted. And then he became part of Paul's team. He he ministered to Paul in some way and Paul would have loved him to to stay with with him in Rome. Onesimus had become a real blessing, but Paul knew that the right thing was for Onesimus to return to his master. And Paul urged Philemon to receive him back, not as a, a common slave, but as he would receive himself as a the brother in Christ, Paul also offered to pay Philemon anything that Onesimus owed. The suggestion is that Onesimus may have stolen from his master and then run away, or the reference may be to financial losses incurred because of Onesimus' absence. Now Paul's plea for Onesimus is one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture, isn't it? Uh, it struck me in reading it again for this lesson, just, just how tender it is. Uh, how much heart Paul puts into it. It's, it's very personal. He reveals that Paul was a generous man and a compassionate man. And I think Paul's actions here serve as an example to us. Uh, there, there are people out there who need someone to be prepared to stick up for them. Someone like us, followers of Jesus. They need someone to be prepared to dip into their own pockets to help them. Is this us? You know, do we get involved? Are we generous and compassionate people? We won't get into this question tonight, but it's, it's one that has significant implications for our understanding of what the New Testament envisions with regards to the institution of slavery. Now, was Paul urging Philemon to free Onesimus? If he was, that's, that's massive. Uh, did Paul see manumission as the right thing for Philemon to do, given that Onesimus was now a brother in Christ? It all centres around the interpretation of verses 15 and 16. For, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, 
but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Now, what is that actually referring to? It's an interesting question. And we can, we can talk about it later if you like, but uh, this was an Esimus story. And he was going to make that journey back to Philemon with Tychicus, and I'd imagine he was very glad to know that Paul had written a letter to his master. <laughs> you know, uh, what a blessing to know that Paul was his representative. Paul, Paul had advocated on his behalf. Now, text in Colossians, Paul tells the church that Onesimus is one of them. This was true both in terms of geography and ethnicity. Onesimus was from Colossae. And it was true in terms of his spiritual identity. He was now part of the Christian community, part of the family of God. Perhaps the church folk needed to hear this because what they knew of this man wasn't very complimentary. Perhaps all they knew was that Onesimus was a runaway slave who had probably defrauded his master. They knew him as a criminal, but now he was a Christian. Now he was one of them, one of their number. He was part of the body and was to be received as such. But he wasn't just one of them, a Christian. Paul calls him a beloved and faithful brother. A runaway slave, probably a thief, certainly a criminal, a very bad man, but now a beloved and faithful brother. A brother who is much loved and who is faithful in following and serving Christ. We can smell the sweet perfume of the gospel here, can't we? It fills the room when we look at this man's story. This is what Jesus does. He gives sinners life and he changes them. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I think this is a good note on which to finish our lesson tonight. You know, we, we need little encouragements like this. I know I do. And sometimes we're tempted to think that no one will believe the gospel. No one will change. We lovingly give of ourselves to reach someone. We tell them about Jesus. We really care for them. But in our heart of hearts, we just don't think that it will have any effect. They're, they're too hard. They're too caught up in sin. Or they're too self-sufficient or whatever. Now, they'll, they'll take our compassion. Uh, they'll receive our kindness. And then they'll, they'll move on. And that does happen. That happens a lot. And we can get disheartened. You know, does this message actually work? Does the love of the Lord Jesus actually get through to people? Yes, it does. It does. We have an example right before our eyes in this text. His name is Onesimus. So let's take heart. Let's be encouraged by God's word. And let's, in the words of the Apostle Paul, continue to spend and be spent in reaching people for Jesus. Amen.